Hi friends, I'm Molly, your host from Relief from Darkness, and I'm here today with Dr. Lori and our teammate, Allie, where we are recording a 10-session podcast that will focus on the biblical recovery from substance abuse and addiction. So just as a reminder, each session will focus on the CPR of recovery principles along with biblically-based steps to walk into identity and freedom with Christ. So these steps have been influenced by the 12-step program of AA and take us deeper into the biblical foundation of recovery. So with that, Dr. Lori, can you remind us what CPR stands for? Absolutely. Hi, guys. We're so excited about this podcast. And let's just do a quick review. So with CPR, we really want to focus on those three things. The first being connection. It's critical in our lives that we are connected with the Godhead. And then we have connection with safe people in our lives and that we're connected with ourselves. So we understand our behavior patterns. And as we think about our behavior patterns, that leads us into the P of CPR And the P is the psychoeducation. So our brain is organized in different ways, and it's important for us to understand those things. It's also important to understand the warning lights or the indicators that our brain is organized for survival or simplicity and how we actually have subconscious behavior patterns that need to be addressed, coupled with things that we think about. And then finally, it just comes down to, are we going to Are we going to modify our routine, which is the R of the CPR, or are we not? Yeah, that's good. So then that brings us to the title of today's session, which is called Burn the Ships. And so just as a little um, reminder of what we've already been over, the first one was titled, Here I Am, Now What? Just kind of where you're like, knowing that you have a problem. And then the second one was, I can't, but God can, where we acknowledge that we are helpless and powerless to change without being empowered by the Holy Spirit. So Allie, burn the ships. What does that mean? Burn the ships. So today we make a decision. That's Mm. what this is. We choose to surrender. We choose God. Um, step three of AA is that we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. And so that's essentially burning the ships. Um, The title of this comes from the story of Hernan Cortez. So it is said on February 19th, 1519, Hernan Cortez set sail to Mexico with 11 ships, 13 horses, 110 sailors, and 553 soldiers. The odds against the success of his journey was 7,541 to 1. Whoa. Two previous expeditions to settle a new establishment had failed, yet Cortez conquered most of South America. Why did he succeed while others failed? He ordered them to burn the ships. He left no room for Plan B, No opportunity for turning back, no out. It was all or nothing. This is not only what recovery looks like, but what following Jesus looks like. So think about it. You're at this brand new place where people have gone before you, they have failed, and everything that you know is behind you. And those ships offer an opportunity for you to load back and go back. Go back home. Go back and do all the things that you've always done, the way that you've done them, with the people that you know, with the comforts of all of that, of the people, the places, and the things, right? Burning the ships 
there's no going back. And so when we make that decision to surrender, to turn our lives and our will over to the care of God, we're burning those ships and it's a, it's a decision. Yeah. So I just want to read, um, two scriptures that, uh, I think really tie in to that story to kick us off. Luke 9, 57 through 62 says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Again, it's all or nothing. And that's how it is with recovery right? Yeah. So we choose. We choose to leave behind our old patterns, our old people, the old places that we've gone, Mm -hmm. the things that we've done. Because like we've talked about before, um, if I continue to do the things that I've always done, then I'm going to get to where I've always been. Right. I mean, that's whenever we get into this, like when we start getting into the same cycle and then we're just as shocked that we're still feeling the same way or experiencing the same stuff or none of our relationships are getting better. Mm-hmm. And we're all surprised whenever we're still making the same decisions, mm-hmm. right? Stuck in the same toxic cycles. Yeah. Yeah. So Paul writes in the book of Philippians three thirteen and 14, he says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do know, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead I press on towards that goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul isn't looking back. He's not looking back to what he knows. He knows that where he is came from God, and he's going to continue to pursue that. Yeah. So there's this hard truth, and we really have to sink our teeth into it, um, especially when we're making this decision. And I'm going to get into that a little bit later. But when you make the decision to surrender, to choose God, you have to really evaluate what that means, right? Yeah. But I want to just interject this truth that relapse is always premeditated, mm-hmm. right? Our mm-hmm. pattern of thoughts, behaviors, motivations. We have to make a choice. Do I leave my old life alive and as an option? Am I going to hang on to reservations? You know, mm-hmm. am I going to pe- keep the the old people in my inbox and messenger or the idea that I can go back to my old town and maybe I can just go hang out with the same people that are doing the same thing and it's going to be okay. Those are reservations, right? So you're leaving that old life alive and as an option, or do I choose to surrender my life and will to the care of God and walk away from my old life by faith? Do I burn the ships or leave an out? And that's where my question, can you just share a little bit about what that looked like for you walking out just individually? I was pretty lonely. Um, I mean, when it was time for me to get clean, I was miserable and I was miserable to be around. I was obnoxious. I really didn't have any friends. Yeah. Um, But I did still have some people. There was um, the roommate that I had before I checked into rehab and he, for a few months, kind of stayed around. If we would go to an outside AA meeting, he would show up. And it was, 
it started to just get really uncomfortable for me to be around him. And there was a friend that I had throughout my addiction, and he really looked out for me. And I um, I remember he was who I would have told somebody was my best friend. Right. I mean, he cared for me. I always thought that he would always be around. Mm-hmm. But as I got further into my program at rehab and I would talk to him and I remember one particular conversation over a text message. It's funny how this one thing just sticks out in my memory typing. I I remember texting to him that I was an alcoholic and I couldn't go do those things anymore. And he said, you're not an alcoholic. AA tells you you are. And I thought, you don't get it. Yeah. And I just, in that moment, I knew he doesn't get it and I can't, yeah. I can't entertain this. Right. And so I had probably a supernatural strength of being able to just cut ties. Um, yeah. I mean, I think about just long term, my life in general, and an only child. I didn't have a whole lot of friends growing up. And so I think it's been kind of to my advantage, probably, Um getting to go through some of this, just I'm okay being alone. Yeah. Um, I'm not now necessarily. I like it alone time, but I know the need for a community and how to have a healthy community, but that's yes. been years of work um, and just God's amazing provision. But for me, it was just one at a time. Just random conversations are coming to mind now. I stayed in contact for a very brief time with an old dealer of mine, and I remember him asking me why I was in rehab and it's like because I need help yeah and he had said we will always be this way and just stop talking to me and that's a that's also a kicker um at least for me when I think about how many people stopped talking to me I mean I had people along the way when I first graduated my program I went to a woman's house in Yukon that I used to drink and party with and I thought that I could just go like we were friends, you know, I could go and I'd be all right. And it, it wasn't that it just wasn't the same. Right. And I remember her saying, what happened to you? And I just told her, I found God, like I'm sober and I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And a little while later, she had sent me this message and said, we can't be friends anymore. We're too different. I was okay with it because I knew it was true. Yeah. You know, I, I love people and believe that we need to have deep relationships and that we don't have to be the same as everyone. But I also, for me, have had to learn what that looks like for me to stay healthy and who I can and can't let in close, if that makes any sense. So it's been a process. Definitely. I remember sitting once, um, just like going back with the same people that you used to party with or use with. And I remember having this moment of like, it's been four years or five years, or however long. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, not in any judgment or anything like that, but I was like, you're doing the same stuff. Yes. And then, then my next thought is just, unto what? Unto what? Where, like, what is this fueling? Or what is this, where is this leading? And just remembering, like, just the isolation and the loneliness in the middle of people that you think you're really connected to when it turns out it's just all so superficial. Mm -hmm. But the addiction or what just lies to you, 
it just lies to you and just masks and covers things that really only only God can meet our desires. Absolutely. And it's so true. There's this, um, there's a bar that I have to drive by to get to an aunt's house. And I spend a lot of time there. And the parking lot still has the same cars. Molly, I have seven years. Yeah. And they are still wasting away in there. And I just say that because that's what it is. Yeah. What you just spoke to, like, you have found purpose because God has fulfilled that in you. That's what you were created for, right? They don't know that yet. And so getting to go and share what God has done in you is letting him do it through you. Yeah. So burning the ships is an act of complete surrender and commitment to the call. Recovery is just that. And God promises to sustain, strengthen, and transform us through that act of faith by the salvation he offers through Jesus Christ. His death offers us life. We have to be fully ready to let go and give control over to our maker. Being fully ready means we have counted the cost. Mm. So, Mm -hmm. yes, in Luke, Jesus, he, I love Jesus. (laughs) I just do. And I, I love the word because God explains. He explains these things to us. He tells us we have to count the cost just then. No, you can't go back and bury your father. You've been called to follow me. You have to choose. Right. You know? But even in the the counting the cost, being fully ready means that we do. We have to count the cost. And so Luke 14, 25 through 33 says, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he was able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while another is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. There's wisdom in looking at the options and making a choice. So am I going to choose the comforts of the chaos of my old life? Or am I really done and I know that I can't do that and that I need help and that God has promised a new life? Yeah. Yeah for me. And then committing. Yep. Well, that's the next that's part, the- is it? It is. It's commitment. Yeah. So it's surrender and commitment. Dr. Lori. Mm-hmm. That's good, right? It's really good. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's incredible. Uh, Dr. Lori, will you just shed some light on the CPR of the whole message of this, of burn the ships? What does that look like um, from a brain standpoint? Well, I think if, if we think about it from... Allie talked about the scripture and we're building a tower or if we build a structure in our life and then the structure totally collapses and crashes all around us, why in the world would we try to build and rebuild that structure using the same materials that we did before? Because Mm -hmm. it's just going to not be able to withstand the winds or the elements and it's going to come crashing down again. I 
I think that if with our connections and with the brain and, and the things that are happening in our routine, our structure has crashed and we cannot use any of the components from the last structure. And so, in other words, the friends that we used to hang around with, we can't hang around with anymore. The phone number that we used to have, we can't have anymore. The contacts that we had, we can't, we can't do the same thing. And if we get a picture of what it is that we want to look like, we want to be free from substances. We we don't want to be addicted. We want to be pursuing Jesus. We want to be being thrust towards him for the fullness of our destiny. Then every decision that we make throughout the day either will push us towards him or away from him. And there's no neutral ground. And so I think if we take out the neutral ground or the good is the enemy of best and in a crisis, good could actually into end up in relapse. And so uh, I love to use the analogy of a word around here that we call SUDS. And SUDS stands for seemingly unimportant decisions. Mm-hmm. And if we don't pay attention to what we're doing and seemingly unimportant decisions, Ali said that the relapse happens way before the relapse. So there are thoughts, there are behaviors, there's seemingly unimportant decisions that land a person back in that situation. And so either we're willing to surrender, we're willing to be thrust towards Christ, we're willing to make every decision in the best possible manner, knowing that we cannot use the same building blocks or tools or things that we use to build the structure that had just crashed. And I think once we get really to the root of all of that, then our connection with Jesus has to be the firm foundation and we have to surrender to him. And there's no playing, there's no manipulating there's no compromise. There's no talking ourselves into. And in fact, just a little or just one, or maybe that person would be okay, are the seemingly unimportant decisions that lead us right back into the the disaster that we were in to start with. Yeah. And then we're shocked at how we got there. Yeah. <laughs> There's this cartoon, it's hilarious, it's this dog, and the dog has demolished the entire couch. And so there is couch stuffing everywhere. And this cute dog is sitting up on this couch in this pose as the owner walks in and the caption reads, and I'm just as surprised as you are. (laughs) And so I think a lot of times when we don't surrender, we are acting like we're just as surprised as everybody else. And we don't know how we ended up back into the same thing that we were in, but it's the seemingly unimportant decisions. There can be no compromise. It's about What about die? Do we not understand that we have to crucify everything where it's no longer us, but the spirit within, and we have to choose him and that image and that picture of what we want to look like and anything that won't contribute to that, then it's non-negotiable and there's no compromise. Yeah, that's good. Allie, I was wondering if you would uh, just go a little bit more into the relapse is premeditated. Will you just expand on that? Yes. Um, I'd like to start with the lie that relapse is a part of recovery because it is. It's a lie from the pits of hell and we're setting people up for failure and we're setting them up to leave a ship in the harbor Mm. um, to take them back. And it's really easy to justify that when you're going through, especially the early stages where everything is really hard and you're just trying to figure out what's happening, right? essentially. Um, But it's not a part of recovery because recovery is an intentional walk, right? It's an intentional walk as we've, as we've seen. Once you get here, you make that decision. Right. So if in my mind I'm sitting at home and I think, man, I am 
really bored. What could I do with my time? Well, you know, I do have that just extra $100 bill sitting in my room. You know what? I haven't been to the casino in a long time. I think I'm going to go to the casino. Okay, so I'm going to go get the money. I'm going to go put it in my purse. I'm going to put my shoes on. And I'm going to go through 25 steps right. to get to the door of the casino. But the, I just want to say the, the most beautiful thing about that, even if you're already on that road, is you can exit and you can catch yourself on the highway and you can see something that says, turn back now. And you're like, oh, my goodness, I can't go here. I can turn yeah. back. But it starts way before. You don't accidentally end up hitting a pipe. Right. You don't accidentally end up sitting at a bar Mm -hmm. or whatever that looks like for you. Like Lori said, it's not, I'm just as surprised as you are. There was an entire, um, there was an entire background that happened before you ever even got here. Mm -hmm. And so it requires us to be paying attention to what we're doing. Does that expand? Yeah. And that's how I was just to couple that with the seemingly unimportant decisions of and now I'm putting on my shoes and now I'm walking out the door and now I'm driving down the road. Mm-hmm. Like, and then you get there and you're like, how did this happen? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That was good. I, I do. I just had a, a thought that if you have ended up walking through those doors and sitting down and making the choice to go back, that it doesn't have to stop there, that you can say, how did I get here? And you can walk right back out because if you're alive and breathing, you still have an opportunity you have an opportunity to walk away. And so if you have relapsed, it's not the end of the story and you don't have to stay there. You right. can turn around, you can walk back out, and you can go back to where you started and you can start to to build your toolbox so that the next time that you're bored or whatever it is that sparks all of those steps, you can take that captive and you can say, wait a minute, not this time. Yeah. But you can't do that without the strength and the the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. I truly believe that we can't do it on our own. Mm -hmm. We can't. It's not works. It's not effort. Intentionality and effort are, they are a part of it. They're a piece, but it starts with surrender because it's got to be God at work and me and through me in order for any of the success to come. And that's where I think it has to be the work of the Spirit. Mm. Like the surrender And the intentionality and the commitment is to follow Jesus. And then it's through that relationship that you're building with him that he empowers you to make different decisions because you are beholding the God of the universe. And it's really, really hard to behold the beauty of Christ and still even want the the things that led you to where you were before. I mean, it's... It's really hard to do both. And then I think when people try, that's when you have the one foot in and one foot out. And it just doesn't work. An amazing woman that I talk about a lot has the, I I can just hear her in her cute little voice saying, get off the fence. Satan owns the fence. Mm. Choose that side. Really good. (laughs) But it's true. And it's always stuck with me. Get off the fence, man. Choose a side and go do it. You know, I, but okay, so I have a verse that uh, came to mind when you were talking, and it is a personal life verse. It's something that I love um, to just dwell upon, and that is Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, mm-hmm. but Christ who lives in me. 
And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That desire and that want to that you were talking about, that comes from him. It's not yeah. us. I can't possibly desire him without him doing that in yep. my heart. That's beautiful. Dr. Laura, I thought you'd like that one. That was good. Is that not good? <laughs> he's, what is it? Satan owns the fence? Owns the fence. Yeah. And people come to me all the time. I had somebody not too long ago, and they just kept saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And I said, well, I'm not buying it anymore. I said, you can, if you want to say anything, you can say, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. Yeah. Because let's not blame and let's not do any of that stuff, that everything that needs to be done has already been done in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And if we yeah. accept him and if we truly die to ourselves, and if we surrender and we bring all of us to all of him and he's not... Uh, He's not mad at us and he loves us and he's going to empower us. In fact, he gave us the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised him from the dead lives inside of us. Mm. And if we bring all of that to him and then he will empower us with the Holy Spirit to be the hero of our own story. And we may then need to come alongside others and be the guide. But this whole victim mentality about, I don't know how I relapsed. I don't think that I can do this. I I can't, I can't, I can't. No, it's, you won't. And here's a backup plan and the games and the manipulation and all of those things. I think, honestly, it comes down to I'm going to surrender and what I behold, I become, which is part of the P and the CPR with the psychoeducation that our brain doesn't hear not. So don't look at porn. Don't think about alcohol. Don't go and gamble. So then our brain is associating with porn and alcohol and gambling versus if I behold Jesus and if I make every decision today, the people that I'm around, the things that I think about, the external parameters that have been placed in my life, if internally I can't control it, then I'll put external parameters in my life and every decision that I will make today will actually point me towards him to gaze upon him instead of just um, trying to maintain and white knuckling not to do the other thing. So behold the lamb of God who took away the sins of the world and being fascinated with him and being around people that, and feelings don't matter. If we Mm -hmm. can fall in love, we can fall out of love. If we can be excited about being sober, then we can be non-excited. And so Either we're going to do what we need to do and we're going to have the routine and the connection with ourselves to see and not be a victim, but actually be the one who's going to walk ourselves out with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us and not blaming or saying, I can't, but either I will or I won't. And say it again. So the fence. (laughs) Get off the fence. Satan owns the fence. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Aside. Yeah. Really good. good. Mm. We could just mic drop yeah. right there. So are we are we going are we to gonna do it or, or not? not? What do you want? Blind Bartimaeus. You're blind as a bat. Right. And Jesus asked <laughs> blind Bartimaeus. So much so that he's called blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus. What do you want? And so what do you want? And and so either we will or we won't. Yeah. Well, that's good. Cortez wanted to settle. He wanted... Um, he wanted to succeed. Yeah. And there was no option for him not to. And so whatever it took. So he took away all the external parameters yes. that would have allowed him to to go back. I've never done anything like, you know, settle 
in a new land. A new land. <laughs> uh, well, well, I mean, I, I have, but not like that. <laughs> not not like that. I didn't establish um, <laughs> a country, but <laughs> I am just remembering, uh, as Lori's talking about setting the external um, parameters. Uh, I remember when I quit smoking, it was about six months after I had graduated my program and I didn't want to. And I remember telling people to stop praying for me. I don't want to quit. And then slowly but surely people would start saying things like, yeah, you're going to be smoking a cigarette one time talking to people about Jesus and they're not going to, they're not going to listen. And I thought, well, wait a minute. Yeah. That's really serious. So the day that I decided to quit, I called somebody and every penny, my debit card, everything I had, I gave to them in a jar and said, you have to keep this until I'm ready. And I walked around with no money, nothing. Wow. wow. For the, because I knew that if I had it, I was going to be able to yep. justify going to get mm-hmm. when my flesh and my mind want, because I knew. Because it happens. Yeah. Yes. It? I knew I'm going to want this. I'm going to crave this. And I can't leave myself an option or I'm never going to get over this. And so sure enough, I that was so you how did whatever I quit. it took. Yes. I mean, you did I gave whatever every, it took. Everything I had. And I, I stopped drinking coffee and everything for a while just because I, I did not want to submit to the cravings that I was having. Right. And the Lord sustained me and took it away. But uh, anyway. Mm, that's good. That's beautiful. So, Allie, any final thoughts or anything that anything else? Man, just let the Lord come in. Just give yourself to him and ask him to please just cleanse you of all of it, to wash you whiter than snow and know just by faith that he will equip you. Say yes. Yeah. Say yes to burning the ships and going forward. It's really hard to think about in the beginning, but it is so worth it. And you can live this life that you never even imagined possible doing having a mental health podcast or, yeah. you know, serving people in hard places. Dr. Lori, mm-hmm. do you have any parting thoughts? I think the thing that keeps us from running back into the arms of the Father and to Jesus is shame. And so that's what Adam and Eve did. The first things they did after sin is they hid in the garden. And so I just want to encourage anyone here who maybe has – has tried or could have, should have, would have, or whatever that looks like. I just want to encourage you when my phone acts up, I turn it off and, or I push reset. And so I just want to encourage people to, to just push reset and to Mm -hmm. not run away from him or to feel like he's disappointed or shame and guilt Mm -hmm. and condemnation always come straight from the pits of hell, but then to run back to him and say, here I am. And here's where I'm at. And here's what, needs to happen and in this surrender than doing whatever it takes. And if it takes putting everything that you have in a jar <laughs> and giving it to a friend, whatever it takes. Yeah. And so today can be that day yeah. for those of you who need to. So again, with the connection with people that are, are that look like what we want to become, understanding that our brain, if we're not on guard and it's going to seem cumbersome initially because we're burning a lot more calories, learning something new and really thinking about what we're thinking about. And so it's like when you first learn to drive or snowboard or, or learn a new activity, it expends a lot more calories. And so this is just going to really take a lot of effort, but it's absolutely worth it. And then to modify the routine and whatever it takes. Yeah, that's good. So um, just something that came to mind is as we were talking, um, I think 
we've brought it up a few times about what it looks like to be with safe people in connection or if we're walking away um, from certain social groups. And I think the best way that I've been able to just define like safe people Mm -hmm. in my life is people who are thrusting me towards Jesus Mm -hmm. and towards my destiny in Christ. And I think that's kind of been my parameter. I just felt the need to share that that's good. aspect of like, if there's people like the people that you want to surround yourself with, especially during breaking off any kind of habits or addiction is going to be to be around people that are, that are leading you towards Jesus Amen. or, and that are encouraging you in that. So just to kind of summarize what I'm hearing is make a choice and that's the invitation. And then, to commit to it and to throw out the plan B's of, of how you've lived before. And that through Jesus, I mean, we've been reconciled to our father through relationship and he's given us the Holy spirit to help empower us to follow him and to want him more and that it can be done. And it's so worth it. And then if we find ourselves where we're like, man, I've done this again, or I've relapsed again, or to not sit in that shame. But as Ali said, if there is breath in your lungs and you are alive, you can always go home. Mm-hmm. You can always come back to the Father. You can always choose Jesus. And it's so worth it, you guys. It's so worth it. There's only one thing that fulfills our purpose in life, and that is through relationship with Him. He created you. And so we just want to say, be encouraged. Thank you, Allie, for your expertise. Thank you for teaching. Thank you, Dr. Lori, for being here and sharing the CPR. And guys, we're just super excited for what he's doing. So this has been Relief from Darkness, the Biblical Recovery from Substance Abuse Edition. And until next time, bye. 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 guys so much for listening to our relief from darkness podcast if you would like more information or looking for more resources to help overcome the topics we've discussed here please visit the no boundaries international website at www.nbint.org where we have a free e-course titled journey of restoration and be sure to please leave us any comments or reviews as this will help get our content out to more listeners. We're praying for you guys and we will see you next time.